There you go. It is well with my soul is what we can truly say this morning if we truly have a grasp on what we're going to talk about today, and that's faith. You know, as we approach this new year, I, I don't think it's, I, as, I, as I've been doing, like I said, I've been learning about different things in preaching and different uh, ways to go about preaching and different things like that. And um, one of the lectures that I sat and listened to talked about, don't, don't be blind to what's going on in the world. Don't be blind to what's going on. Incorporate that into your message. It's relevant. It, 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 it entices us. It gives us something to remember. Well, today's New Year's Eve. And I'd be amiss if I didn't mention or have any sort of thing that we could go into with that because that's at the forefront of a lot of our minds. We're thinking about what we're going to do tonight. We're going to think about all the New Year's resolutions that we'll abandon by February, but we'll still try really hard to do. All these different things in New Year's is where our minds are. So as we approach this new year, I feel like it brings this uh, kind of this feeling, this state of self-reflection and honesty about ourselves as we sit back and think about how we're going to start 2024. We, we look at ourselves, we think what we could improve, and many of us will have things that we want to change. Many of us will have something that we want to try that is new. And while the idea of New Year's resolution and fresh starts aren't bad, I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things, I think it's just important that sometimes we need to recognize that we don't always have to try to find something new in our lives in order to make us better, but sometimes the best things for us to do are the same old things that just need a little bit more attention. And what is that something that has been around for many years and we see plenty of accounts of what we could have in our lives that would make our lives better? And when I mean better, not necessarily easier, but would truly make our souls well, as we just sang, is faith. Over the next couple of weeks, as we dive into Hebrews chapter 11, it's the faith chapter. We're going to be talking about today what faith is, but as we continue through the book, uh, the chapter 11 in Hebrews, we're going to see several different accounts of men and women who have truly exercised the faith that was given to them by saying, by faith, so-and-so did this. So today, as we go into this new year, let's make our New Year's resolutions, or our new saying, by faith, Josh did this. By faith, I did this. What are we going to focus on when it comes to faith in this new year? And this morning, if we are coming in here today and we don't really truly have a grasp on what faith is, we don't truly know what faith can bring us, what faith, how faith helps us. This morning, that's what I want to do. I want to break down what the author of Hebrews 11 here does in trying to explain what faith is before we actually see the accounts and the examples of the uh, great men and women before us that exercise the same faith that God has gifted us with uh, today. So let's go ahead and dive into Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be uh, reading verses 1 through 3 this morning. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to sit under your word today. Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, its perfectness, Father God, its ability to pierce our hearts, change us, convict us, encourage us. Father God, lead us in your truths. And Father, Lord, I pray as we dive into this chapter today, Lord, that you would just uh, allow your spirit to move here today, Lord, that you would just allow your spirit to soften our hearts. Let us hear what it is, Lord, that you have for us in this chapter today. And Father, Lord, empty me of myself. Fill me with your spirit, Father God, to deliver this message, not from me, but from you. And we just ask all these things in your son's holy name. And the church said, amen. So the first question I want to ask us today is, what is faith? What is faith? Now, many of us probably could sit here today and give our own definition of what faith is. We could probably give examples of times in our life that we have stepped out in faith. But today I want to sit back and look at what a Biblical definition of what faith is. And we don't get any better biblical definition than right here in the 11th, Hebrew, uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews tells us, now faith, it's two things, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now, there's a couple things I want to look at here when we look about this definition that the author of Hebrews gives us on faith, all right? And the first thing I want to do is sit back like we're in an English class here for a second, and let's look at what... I'm trying, oh man, now I'm trying to be an English teacher, and you guys know how bad I am at this. What uh, part of speech is this word faith? Did I get that right? Part of speech, all right? I'm waiting for Alex to pipe up here, or Tara to tell Alex, so then Alex pipes up. But faith, what part of speech are we looking at is faith? Faith is a noun, as we see this here in Scripture. Now, for many of you out there in the congregation, you would probably sit there and think, well, duh, Josh, that it's a noun. But let's be honest with ourselves. When we think of faith, we don't always think of it as a noun. We often think of it as a verb, right? We always think of faith as being an act. But the actual word of faith is actually a noun. We're talking about a specific thing this morning. We're not talking about an act. That's an act of faith. We're talking about a noun. Okay, so in doing so, it's important for us to note this because when we're thinking of faith as a thing rather than a noun or as a verb, a faith as a verb would mean that we would require to do something in order for faith to be a verb. Right? But this morning, the author of Hebrews is using faith as a noun. Now, I'm sorry, I'll, that's all the teaching I'll do on English this morning, but it's important for us to note because if we think of faith as a noun, we think of it as something that is possessed, right? We possess it. It's not something that we, it's not an act, but it's something we possess. Now, it's something that we can use. As an act, I don't want people to sit out there arguing with me today or thinking about this, but it's something that we can use, but we need to think of it as a noun in first. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul describes faith this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may both boast. Faith is given. Faith is given. 
I don't know if anybody's ever thought about that before, but faith is given. Look at that verse that Paul gives us in Ephesians 2. It says, it is the what of God. We just, talked, we just went through Christmas. It is the gift of God. This Christmas, how many people got a gift that they did not deserve or do anything to earn? I was the only one. You know, some of us did. Some of us are probably sitting here thinking, oh, I was pretty good this year. So I, you know, it's not what we're talking about. Faith is a gift given by God. It's not something that we muster up on our own strength. We cannot, in our own being, come up with this faith that we are supposed to have in our lives. No matter how much you try, no matter how much in your own power you sit there and try to have all the faith that you can have, can you not do that? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we receive this gift of faith from God by his word. We receive the gift of grace from God through his word. That's it. This morning, I think that we could come in here today and we could think that we can muster up faith or we can put some kind of concoction together to make up faith. But the only way that we have true, genuine Christian faith is by receiving it from God through the hearing of his word. And we'll go into this a little farther here in a second. But let me go ahead and go ahead and maybe answer some questions that may be going on here this morning. Because this morning, uh, I offered him to come up here and preach, but he said, no, 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 no. But Bert always gives me very great advice when I go in here in our little meetings here this morning. Bert is a faithful studier of the passage before Sunday comes, and Bert always has something for me. And this morning he said, now hold up, Josh, are you going to mention James here this morning? How faith is without works? Is it dead? Are we supposed to have works with faith, or is faith alone what justifies us? Well, that's the big debate, right? Faith is given to us by God. But just like you received a gift for Christmas, how good is that gift if you don't get it out of the box and actually use it? Right? My son got a Hot Wheels track. Yeah, they still make Hot Wheels. All right. My son got this Hot Wheels track for Christmas. If I left that Hot Wheels track in the box and sat it in the corner, what use would that present have been that I gave him? It would not have been useful, right? No, we had to open the box. Dad had to spend two hours trying to put the track together. Another hour trying to figure out why it's not working. But we have to get it out of the box. We have to exercise our faith. So while it is a gift, we do have the responsibility of exercising that gift. So you did nothing to receive the gift of faith, but the responsibility falls upon you to actually use that gift the way it's supposed to be used. You following me? Listen to this analogy that I heard this week. Now suppose someone anonymously gives you a check for a million dollars. We're living in fantasy world here, okay? Suppose someone gives you a check for a million dollars. The money is yours if you want it, but you still have to endorse the check, right? You still have to endorse it. In no way can signing your name be considered earning a million dollars, right? 
If you get a check for a million dollars and all you did was sign it, you didn't do anything to earn it, all you did was endorse it. The endorsement is a non-work. So you can never boast about becoming a millionaire through sheer effort or on your own business savvy. No, the million dollars was simply a gift and signing your name on the back of the check was the only way to receive it. Similarly, exercising faith is the only way to receive the generous gift of God. And faith cannot be considered a work worthy of the gift. So we cannot flip these two on we must work in order to have faith or to be saved. But if we receive faith and work out that faith, that's when true faith is really exercised and truly genuine. Faith without works is dead, but we are justified alone by our faith. Let's not forget that this morning. We are simply saved by our faith, but if we do not exercise that faith, that faith is not genuine. You follow? Then it says that faith is the assurance of the invisible. Assurance of the invisible. The word assurance here is defined as a positive declaration intended to give confidence. It's a promise, right? Assurance is a promise. It gives us confidence in what we see. Martin Luther once described faith this way. He says, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and so certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. So faith is an assurance. Faith is what we truly believe in and we hold strong to knowing that it is going to happen. It's a confident expectation, like we mentioned uh, several weeks ago when we talked about hope. It's a confident expectation. It gives us confidence and an expectation in his promises even though we can't see them. Because faith always deals in the invisible. Faith always deals in the invisible. Josh, what do you mean by that? Well, see, when we look at these accounts following these three verses, all right, when we look at these accounts of guys like Moses, Abraham, uh, Rahab, um, who else is in there? The people of Israel. Okay, all, all, these, all these different people that we're going to follow over the next several weeks, in their accounts, we see men and women exercise faith in a promise that God has given them. Not something that they see in front of them, but solely on a promise that God gave them did they, by faith, do what they were supposed to do. And in a lot of cases, they may have never even seen that promise come true or come to fruition, I guess you say. It's going to come true. But they never even saw that promise come to fruition. They, by faith, trusted God in what he had told them even though they could not see it or may ever see it. Promises such as eternal life, promises such as heaven, Promises such as rewards or everlasting joy. See, faith is based on what we can't see. Faith is based on what we can't see. But if faith is based on what we can see, it's just simply logic. 
What, it doesn't take us any faith at all to believe in something that we can see, right? Do you believe that this stand is black? Do you believe that? Why? You can see it, right? You can see that the stand is black. Did that take any faith for you to believe that I told you this was black? No. Took none at all. What if I told you, what if I asked you the question, do you believe that I have a cardinal poster hanging up in my basement? Do you believe that? Well, yeah, you may do because I'm a big cardinal fan, but have you ever seen it? No. So you have to take my word for it, right? You can't see it, so you have to put faith in what I just told you that I actually do have a cardinal poster in my basement. See the difference? Logic tells us that this is black because we can see it. Faith is based on something that we cannot see. See, Paul shares this with the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5, when he says this. He says, and when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul's saying here that he could have came and presented the gospel to them with all this lofty speech, and he could have presented them with all of these things that they could hear and all these things that they could see, and they could see that he is convincing. They could see that he's dynamic. They could see that he's a great speaker, and they could place their faith in that because why? Because they can see someone that they think is trustworthy. But he didn't want to come and do that. He wanted to come solely under the power and the demonstration of the Spirit so that their faith may not be placed in a speaker, but their faith may be placed in the power of God, what they could not see. There's a difference. So what can we say that faith truly is then? We can say that faith is a gift from God, nothing we do to deserve it or earn it. It's a truly a gift from God that we did not deserve, or, and he just simply asks us to exercise that in our faith, which is where the works come in. To show that it's genuine faith, we have to exercise it. Faith gives us confidence, confident assurance of the things to come rather than the things we see, and those are the promises of God. So that's what faith is, but what does faith bring? What does faith bring into our lives? So if you're like me, though, I just can't have a definition of something in order to learn it. I'm a hands-on guy. All right? I need to have hands-on. I need to see it. I need to hold it. I need to work with it. And these type of things actually help me understand it. Well, thankfully, the author of Hebrews understood this and knew that he may have been one of those guys or he knew that in his crowd he may have had some of those guys. So he gives us a ton of examples of how this faith works and what this faith brings into our lives. It says, For by it faith, faith, the people of old received their commendation. See, in verse 2 here, we see that faith is not something new to the church today, but it is something that has been around from the very beginning of creation. 
The author of Hebrews says that the people of old received their commendation. They received the honor and the praise of being included in Hebrews chapter 11 because of how great of people they were. No. They received their praise and honor by being in the book of or chapter 11 because of their faith. What does that mean? It says simply they received their praise and honor because they trusted God for what he had promised them. They trusted in what they could not see, and therefore God honored them. Once again, this is a great tactic used here by the author of Hebrews by highlighting the faith of the, by highlighting that the faith he is talking about is the same faith that the audience ancestors and truly heroes of the Bible exercised. It's funny, and a lot of you will understand this analogy, but we, we tend to use this same tactic in a Saturday morning basketball practice at Bar Reeve, and we have for many, many years. In the difficult morning of pivots, layup safaris, and Albert lectures, it's always mentioned that all the Viking greats used to do these same drills over and over before they became legends. The Addison Wagglers, the Hagen Nepps, not the Josh Fortune Troopers, but, you know, other guys. And what we would do is we would use those great legends of Viking history as examples of how they were to continue in these boring drills that we just didn't understand the purpose of, but they served a purpose. So what he's doing here is he's saying, listen, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Joseph, Rahab, all these men and women exercise the same faith that God's asking of you to exercise. Yes, did these men and women go through very difficult times? They did. Did they go through times of doubt? They did. Did they go times, through times of persecution? They did. But they kept the faith. And by faith, by faith, they were able to do what God had asked them to do. They weren't anything special, but all they did was exercise faith. They had genuine faith in Christ. The same faith that's given to you and I today. The same gift of faith. They were praised not for their accomplishment and power, but by faith. And it was by faith that they were redeemed. Think about this. We think of faith as faith in what? Jesus, right? Faith in Christ. We're on this side of the cross. Everyone mentioned here in the book of Hebrews was on the other side of the cross, right? They put faith in a Messiah that had not come, but had, was mentioned in Genesis 1 and 2, 2, Genesis 2, okay, mentioned there about the, the Messiah that would come and bruise the head of the serpent. They heard these, these prophecies. They heard these promises, and they put their faith in that. Therefore, they were trusting that God was going to come through in the bringing of a Messiah. Abraham was not, pray, or not redeemed by all the good works that he did. Moses was not redeemed by all the good works that he did. Rahab was not redeemed because she hid the spies. Joseph was not redeemed because he was obedient in what he did. Why were they redeemed? How were they saved? Romans 4, 1 to 3 tells us this. It says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by his works... 
and what he did, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God. The same word believed there is the same root word of where we get faith. Abraham had faith in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So we could take all of the great stories that we read here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, all of these things that they did, and we could simplify it by saying, by faith, they were saved. By faith, they were redeemed. So how does faith help us? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith brings us salvation. We see that through the work and the examples given to us in Scripture. How does it help us? How does it help us? So faith is a gift given to us by God that we must exercise in order to please God and receive the reward of eternal life, just as the great women of the Bible before us. But how did it help them? How does it help us? Well, the author closes with verse 3 to tell us. He says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What's interesting enough is we sang the song Evidence this morning, right? Well, I don't want to tell on Eve here this morning, but that wasn't part of our original set, right? And she didn't read my sermon, but as we're singing Evidence, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is perfect. Because what we're seeing here is the author of Hebrews now gives us an example of faith by using the analogy of creation. The example of creation, he uses this to help us understand how faith helps us in a world full of questioning and skepticism. Let me go ahead and read a quote by John MacArthur that I read this week uh, regarding this verse right here. He says, we live in faith that looks forward to what God has promised. We understand that, right? This illustration takes us back. When talking about creation, this illustration takes us back and gives us a foundation for faith looking forward. Looking back at creation gives us a foundation of faith looking forward. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the words of God so that, it, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. That looks back at creation Creation is things seen in the universe made out of things that were unseen. That's creation. God made the whole universe out of what? Nothing. He made the whole world out of nothing. What is seen was not made out of anything that was visible. So out of the invisible came the visible. Out of nothing came everything. And how do we understand that? By faith. Let me ask you a question this morning. I want a response. I'm wanting a response here. Why do you believe that God created the universe? Why do you believe that God created the universe? We see it. Faith. How do we know it? You guys weren't there, were you? How do we know? The Bible says he did. You're exactly right, Jerry. The Bible says it. In Genesis 1 and 2, we see 
that God created the heavens and the earth. And he created the skies. He created the water. He created the animals. He created us. And how do we know that? Because it says, well, you weren't there. But we put our faith in what the Bible says. By his word, we see creation come to be. Let there be light, and there was light. And by his words, we believe all of it to be true. So if we believe in something like creation without being there to actually witness it, we truly place our faith in what the Bible says. Therefore, we put our trust and faith in him. And if we place our faith in something that happened in the past that we could not see, it gives us precedent to put our faith in something in the future that we can't see. How cool is that? That if we put our faith in something in the past that we could not see, in creation, it gives us precedent to understand that we can put our faith in the future for which we cannot see. Do we see evidence of God's creation today? Absolutely. And as Alan mentioned, we see it. We see it around us, right? That's evidence of God in his his beautiful design. Even science itself. One thing I cannot stand is that the church tries to separate church and science. But guess what? Science points to the Bible. It's one and the same. There's a creation museum out in Seattle. Washington, I want to say, that the, only, the basis of how they came to be was they were trying to prove the Bible wrong, and they realized they couldn't. Every scientific discovery that they found pointed towards an intelligent designer. So we have reason even in our faith. So we put our faith in what has happened and what the Bible has told us in Genesis 1 and 2, but in the evidence of what Alan said, we see creation and we truly dive into the science, we see the evidence is there. There's reason to have faith. Here's an example of what I'm talking about here. This is from Enduring the Word. David Gusick uh, brought this example out and I thought it was great. Even in times when it seems, even in times when it seems when God expects a faith that contradicts reason. That's faith, right? It contradicts reason. It may be out of our logic. We can't understand it. God asks asks us to step out in faith, even though it may contradict reason. Closer examination reveals he does not contradict reason. For example, it might seem contrary to reason for God to expect Abraham to believe that Sarah's dead womb could bring forth a child. But it's not unreasonable to believe that the God who created life in the womb could do this and that he would do it according to his promise. So God may call us to step out in faith in something that may not make sense to us. It may be out of reason. It may not have any logical sense at all for us to make this step of faith. But in reality it does because if God created all things... Can he not act outside of reason? Isn't he in all things and the creator of all things? So, for example here, Abraham, there's no way that Sarah could bear a child. Yeah, logic says she couldn't. But who created her? 
who created her womb, who created life. So while it might seem out of reason, it's not unreasonable. So when God calls you to step out in faith, don't back off because it doesn't make sense, but press in because we've put our faith and trust in the creator of the universe who created everything out of nothing. So therefore, if he can do that, I'm sure he can, ask, he can take care of what he's asking you to step out in faith and do. This is the essence of faith, the essence of faith. God wants us to believe in him fully, even beyond what our brains can fathom or make sense of because he created the world out of nothing, then he can truly do anything he promises. And that's a God worth putting our faith in. In closing, let me ask you this. Have you received this gift of faith? Have you received this gift of faith? Not try to buy it. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but some people think they can. Not try to earn it. I know it sounds ridiculous, but some people think they can. But have you truly received the gift of real, genuine faith? If so... Are you exercising it? That kind of answers the question if we've received it. Are you exercising that faith? Do you truly believe that God can and, do, and will do what he has promised, even if it seems impossible and beyond reason? When was the last time, this one hits hard, when was the last time you have done anything that required faith? When is the last time you have done anything that required faith? Because if you live like I do a lot of times, I like comfortable, I like safe, I like reason, I like logic. But is that what true faith is? No. Some of us in here today I've got a feeling that God's been pressing on and God's been asking you to step out in faith and you're scared and you won't do it because you're afraid of what could happen. You're afraid of what you could lose. You're afraid of what people may think. Brothers and sisters, that's not what true faith is. True faith is understanding that God God created the universe out of nothing. He created you. We sinned against him. And then he made a way to bridge that gap so that we could be united with him through his son, Jesus. So that he could present us with the promises of a future of eternity with him in heaven, a place with no more sorrows, no more tears, no more pain. He's promised us that, and the problem is is that we don't act in faith because we don't quite know if that's truly what is to come. Doubt creeps in. But let me tell you something right here. 
If you want to make a New Year's resolution, here's one for you. As we approach 2024, let us be a people marked by faith who live their life in faith that are truly seeking what God's will is for our lives and not what our own is. And when he calls us to do something, we, pro- we trust him with every step of the way. We don't have to have everything figured out before we take the leap, but we take the leap trusting that he'll catch us. Let's be a church here at Providence, willing to trust God fully with everything that comes our way. With whatever we feel the Spirit is leading us to move in, whatever the Spirit is feeling us to go in, let's be a church that doesn't look at the money, that doesn't look at the resources, that doesn't look at the logic, that doesn't look at whatever makes be a stumbling block for us, but let us be a church that puts aside all fear and doubt and trusts God and put our faith in God. And when we do so, oh man, do we see great things happen. Let's not neglect the gift that God gave us in faith, but let's make it a new year that we in a church truly live out what Paul tells the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and let's walk by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you just now. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of faith. Father, I first off just thank you, Father, that this is this faith that we receive is nothing that we have to do or earn because if that was the case, Father, none of us would be able to obtain this faith. None of us would be able to have, as, as J.R. described, even the faith of a mustard seed. We couldn't even muster up that. But Father God, you gift us with this. And Father, I pray that we don't take that gift for granted. Father, Lord, that we exercise that gift of faith through our works. Father, that we truly walk by faith and not by sight. Father, we, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people, we would be a church that would truly look to seek what it is that you have for us. And Father, Lord, let it be outside of our reason. Let it be outside of our logic, Father, so, Lord, that we truly have to trust in you because there's no greater place to be than not trusting ourselves and fully trusting in you. Let our faith be evident to the people around us. Let our faith be strengthened each and every day. As we enter into this new year, let us make an effort to exercise our faith in every manner possible. And Father, we pray, Father, that you would give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to do so. Father, we thank you that you give us something to put our faith in something that is so assured, something that is so expected, it is so permanent, knowing that we don't have to doubt it one bit, but we can place our anchor in you. We thank you, we love you, and ask all these things in your son's holy name, amen.